2: Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and today I'd like to start our episode with a letter. Dear listener Hansen, today is going to be a good day, and here's why. Our guest! Chances are, if you've listened to any musical that's come out in the last three years, she has been involved at some point. She is fashion. She is wit. She is Broadway's Fiona Apple. Please welcome to the mic, Alexis Molnar.
1: Oh my goodness. Hello. That intro was so kind.
2: Oh, well, you know, it's easy when it's someone as cool as you. Oh,
1: stop it. Look who's talking. That was so sweet. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Hi.
2: How have you been?
1: I've been, you know, I've been... Just like you know, it just feels like it's always some kind of fluctuation of something. Either I have like a brief, fleeting moment of joy, or I don't. Mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. you know. Otherwise, I'm good. Just hanging, just chilling. I feel like
2: influx is just how this whole year has felt.
1: Yeah, totally. And I feel like I, I've been trying to just accept that from mm-hmm. f- from the start of this, because otherwise, I I don't know. I don't know where what I'd be doing. Just
2: staring at walls, picking at paint.
1: Yeah. I mean, also, it could be worse things to do than that. You know,
2: that's true. These are true things. <laughs> so, let's just, let's start from the
1: beginning. Where are you from? All right. Well, I'm originally from uh, Bedminster, New Jersey, which is, uh, I know, it's, like, recently infamous because it's where... Uh, I don't even want to say his name, the person who is currently running this country for the last however many years, um, has has a golf club that's like 10 minutes away from my house. So like, I feel like all I hear about it now or when people recognize it, they recognize it for that. But I promise it's like a very sweet town. It's very, uh, like scenically so gorgeous. Like the foliage is very unbeatable. Um, yeah, that's where I'm from originally.
2: I got to say Jersey is much prettier than I ever expected.
1: Yeah, it's it's I mean I mean parts of it are gross. Parts of it are mm-hmm. disgusting with a capital D, but uh also a lot of it is really really beautiful. So, I don't understand where the bad rap comes from. So, I'm
2: from uh Oregon, and so my views of Jersey before moving to New York were brought to me by um the Real Housewives franchise or Oh my goodness. I
1: was going to say like you either have like the Sopranos, uh, (laughs) Jersey Shore or yeah, Housewives, none of which are like real accurate depictions of anybody that I know (laughs) in New Jersey. I mean, I do know a lot of Italian people from New Jersey, but that's about it.
2: Jersey Shore to me just kind of struck as like my cousins from Rhode Island. Like I, was well, like, I don't know if none of them
1: none of them are from Jersey. <laughs> none of them are from Jersey. They just like the shores, which listen, we love the shore, but I also, I don't know. If you're going to the shore, I wouldn't go to Seaside. But who knows? Seaside could be fun for some people. You know, to each their own. Yeah. So you grew up in
2: Jersey. Do you have any siblings?
1: I have two older sisters. Uh like they're two half sisters, so they're the youngest one is a decade older than me. So, um, yeah, I got two older sisters that people don't really know about. Whenever I like mention it, they're like, wait, you have family? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: You're like, yeah, I do. I
1: sure I do. do. Yeah, I got two older sisters. Uh, I lived with my middle sister for a little bit growing up.
2: Is everyone creative in your family or was that a unique to you kind of experience
1: like yes and no so my mom was a painter and she went to school for art and everything but she ended up in the corporate world as people do and my dad also another corporate person but uh is a musician he played the bass when he was in high school and then when he had you know a life crisis as we all do at a certain age uh, he bought himself like a like 12 left-handed bass guitars and retaught himself how to play like we have a whole little music set up in the basement now that's so cool it's very fascinating and I will say that my my dad's personality is very theatrical and dramatic uh (laughs) despite not being an actor so perhaps that's where I get it from
2: so I'm guessing there was a lot of music in your house then
1: uh kind of I would say the – my dad playing the guitar was a gradual thing as I got older. Um, But, diff, I mean, there was always music on in the house no matter what, uh, you know. My dad – it wasn't Sonos, but we got a sound system hooked up. You know, there would be music playing in the living room, music playing in the basement, music playing in the kitchen and everything just to have a sort of sense of ambiance because he can't – there's nothing worse, and I feel like I get this from my dad too. There's – I can't stand – I mean, a nice silence can be really nice, but even then there's, like, ambient sound. He can't even stand ambient sound, so there would always be music playing. Oh my gosh, your dad and I would be a match made in heaven. <laughs>
2: I literally, every time I enter a room, I'm like, okay, and my Spotify is
1: on now. Legitimately, I can't take a walk outside without listening to music, I can't. I can't August rush it. I can't do it.
2: (laughs) I can't do it. Well I also can't slap a guitar on the side but we'll learn.
1: We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get (laughs) there. there.
2: Um, So how was how was childhood? You grew up in Jersey with this big gap between siblings.
1: Yeah I mean childhood was interesting. I would say you know I'm in that age range right now. We're just like when you have a lot of time as we do right now you use that time for a lot of like introspection and reflecting on why you are like this mm-hmm. even regardless of like being on this pod or not <laughs> um so given that we've been inside for the majority of this year I feel like I have been reflecting on this a lot and you know my childhood was good I didn't have uh a lot of um complaints about it. I grew up very privileged. I grew up uh, in a family that was able to support me in what I wanted to do and all my hobbies and everything. Um, Both my parents worked, so uh, I feel like I get the acting thing from just like a severe lack of attention Mm -hmm. and just wanting people to be like, look at me. I'm really good. And I don't even know what I'm doing, but I just know that I want people to look at me. Cause I would do that. I would do that at recess. I wouldn't even hang out with my friends. I would go to the teachers who were Uh monitoring recess and like sing for them. I'd be like, do you want to hear where's love from Oliver? Great.
2: And then just saying, literally,
1: but I would do this, like, at least three to four times a week.
2: They're like, who is this 30-year-old woman, and why is she at recess?
1: Legitimately. (laughs) (laughs) So I I feel like that's what uh, the majority of my childhood was like, and then I just sort of, you know, found a niche market for my neglect, I guess.
2: (laughs) I was uh, the classic queer child who would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went over to uh, our neighbor's house and I just sat with Denise and we talked about her divorce. I know <laughs> yes! everything that's going on.
1: Yes.
2: I'm like seven years old. My parents had me really young, so that would mean my parents were like 27, 28 when wow. I was in second
1: grade. Wow. Good for them.
2: Which, now that I'm almost 30, I'm like,
1: what? I know. I Yeah, I I th- I think about those things a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, so as I've had my introspective time during core if i think about anything i'm like well they were in their 20s yeah
1: i just think about you know what inflation rates were like in the 80s and 90s compared to what they are now what the market looked like and all those things you know because things are different things are things are different
2: did you ever play any sports
1: yeah, kind of. I mean, it's like so funny for me to say, yeah, I played sports when I was younger. I mean, I did gym and I like occasionally did recreational sports because I was uh trying to find what I was good at. But I was so I mean, if you see me in person, I'm very, very small. I'm I'm like one of those people that's like, oh, I thought you would be a lot bigger, a lot taller in person. And I am like, no, I'm a crumb. I am um, a morsel. I am Uh very, very small, so you can, and this is me at, like, full-grown adult, like, I'm stuck, like, I'm done, I'm not, I'm not getting any bigger, so you can imagine me younger and, like, not really being taken seriously and getting to, like, play soccer or play basketball or anything like that, and I also didn't really take it that seriously, I just really wanted to run and scream. I really liked, if there was anything that I really liked to do, I really liked, um, like courses that you could do, like obstacle courses or ropes courses or rock walls and stuff like that. And so I know, you were no, you the go. original
2: tough. You're the original tough mutter.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just prepping for turn off the dark this whole time. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like I tried playing. I like in lower school, I tried playing soccer for a while, did not go very well. I tried track and field, did not go very well. Um, tried fencing, did not go very well. tried, tried a lot of things that just did not go very well. You know, the
2: important thing is you tried.
1: I, I did try. I like being active and I like playing sports, but don't expect me to like, you know, I I mean, as I get older now, I take things a little bit more seriously and I get super competitive, but I will say the, um, the, the physical strength and ability <laughs> might just not, or it might, I don't know. I haven't ran in <laughs> months. <laughs>
2: Everyone gets that grace. No one has to. Yeah.
1: So yeah, if you answer your question, long story short, yeah, I tried sports.
2: (laughs) So when was the first time you realized that theater would be for you?
1: That's a tremendous question. I would say, I don't know. I was always drawn to things that were very uh, theatrical and very uh, loud and boisterous and just fun. You know, my mom one of my favorite movies when I was like a toddler was Priscilla queen in the desert with Guy Pierce and everything. And I feel like that's, I, I think about that now as an adult and I'm like, that's also a, a very formative film and why I am the way I am because it was so, it was such a young introduction to drag and um, the gay community and things like that. And I was like, whatever this is, I want to be a part of it. I thought Guy Pierce's Felicia was, like, the most fun thing in the entire world, and I would just try to emanate that energy as a child. Um, and then through then, I think just, like, through music classes, I was—I my favorite subject in school, because I was not a school kid, was always music because it, I would get the most attention and I would do the best there, and the teachers would, like, really pay attention to me because I guess I could sing, um... You can
2: sing. uh, Listeners, she sings very well.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I would try, at least. I would try in music, and I would say, not that, like, the programs were bad, but there were just, like, more priorities given to things that weren't music and theater at my schools. I think it was, like, third or fourth grade, I got, we got a new music teacher. It was, like, this big thing. Brand new music teacher. I think she, like, was the middle school music teacher, but she took over for, like, the teacher who had been there forever. And she structured the choral concert differently. Instead of, like, just a bunch of kids standing there singing a bunch of inappropriate songs that they should not be singing, <laughs> she, like, did this, like, play. It was, like, a junior play that was literally meant for, like, choral concerts. Because, like, the songs were choral songs, but it was set up under the guise of a play. And I got the the lead, like, the lead, the lead part. It was like unheard of. I had a whole song by myself that like the kids sang backup for me, and like it got to a point where like they had to give the bridge of the song away to another kid to to not make it seem so weird. They had to share. They had to share, which Loki I was fine with because it was a it was like a rapping part. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> little <laughs> nine year old me was like, mm, you know what, Sam Sam can have that. That's okay. <laughs> And I think that's, like, I guess where it started, because from there, what I remember is just going, in, like, re- completely recreational, not thinking anything would come of it, going into, like, singing lessons um, with this, like, a- amazing woman, Ellie Escher, who, like, we I now follow on Instagram, but she was, like, the first person that ever taught me, um, and yeah, like, truly, I guess from there, I was like, oh, I guess I'm good at this, I guess I can sing, and It came at a time when I was going into middle school, so I was getting, like, more serious about clubs and extracurriculars and uh, electives. That's the word I was looking for. And, yeah, I'd always choose music. I would always – any choir I could be a part of in school, I auditioned for and tried to get in. Any, like, after school – like there was literally just I'll never forget it on Thursdays in seventh and eighth grade there is this maybe sixth grade too I don't know there was this after school like basically just it, it was like Marie's crisis for kids <laughs> no like legitimately it was the it was the choir teacher and she would bring in a, like a just a bunch of Broadway songs like a bunch of Broadway songs that's kind of how I got my Broadway canon information like prior to college or like seeing a lot of shows was my choir teacher and we'd all it would just be like the the nerd theater kids and we'd all just belt it out in this room for like two hours it was the the greatest thing it was literally Marie's crisis for kids
2: oh that sounds magical and very very high-pitched
1: it was it was pingy it was a very pingy room
2: (laughs) a lot of ping
1: (laughs) a lot of a lot of mask work um, yeah, and then they would put on a concert, and it would be so cool, because instead of singing, qu- like, choir songs, I would bring in, like, as a 12-year-old, like, Spring Awakening, and be like, yeah, mm-hmm. blue wind, ever heard of it?
2: I'm picturing you still with, like, the same large glasses, and yeah, like, this is me, maybe a guitar too big for your body.
1: It was, I I mean, I had this thing, I don't know what the, f- can I curse on here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay,
1: I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I mean, like, my style has always been questionable, and I, I truly think it's only become fine-tuned in the last year or so, but mm-hmm. when I was, like, seventh grade, I would wear these, like, gross black jeans, like, a graphic t-shirt, and then I would wear, like, a like a headband around my head, like a hippie headband, oh, okay. but it would be, like, a full, like, cloth headband that people use for working out, but I would just wear that around my head and think, yeah, this is it. This is it. So that outfit singing Blue Wind. And you nailed it. And that's how you book. That's how you book. (laughs) That's how we get callbacks, people.
2: The first national of Spring Awakening is what I saw when I was like, oh, I can do this. Right. Not in any disparaging way to anybody that I saw performing, but in a, like, if somebody asked me to right now, I confidently know in my body and soul, I could get up and do this show.
1: Yeah, totally. Was that the first, like, show that you saw?
2: The first, well, no, the first show that I saw was probably Wicked, Mm -hmm. and I saw, I got very lucky, I saw the, um, tour with Shoshana and Megan Hilty. Ooh,
1: wait, I think, no, I saw Megan and Eden, Eden Espinosa. Dang, Shoshana Bean must have been incredible.
2: Incredible, well, and so, Shoshana Bean grew up the town next to mine, and, uh, I, I don't know her whole story, but essentially she didn't spend much time here. But if you ask anybody who worked or taught kids at that time, they're like, well, I taught Shoshana Bean.
1: Uh-huh. So <laughs> my,
2: my, uh, voice teacher was very like, yeah, I helped her. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you did. I don't know if you didn't, but I felt this connection to her as I was watching Wicked and just crying as she flies. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Uh, we saw a lot of tours out mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Which is great.
1: I didn't know you were from Oregon. Yeah,
2: I'm from Oregon all the way on the left coast. So yeah, my stuff, my like intro to theater was mostly from the library. Mm -hmm. In high school, like Apple Music and Spotify weren't a thing. No, not at all. And I couldn't... YouTube
1: wasn't even really a thing.
2: Not really, but it is how I found college.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, um, totally.
2: Because I... I knew I wanted to get out of Oregon, and in my small world view, I was like, there aren't any good programs for me to go to here, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I would So I would search and search, and I ended up going to Milliken University because I found um, videos of my now friend Lauren Culver singing mm-hmm. uh, Neverland
1: by Scott Allen. Yes. Oh, TBT. my goodness. Honestly, TBT. <laughs> wow. That was like a nostalgia door that just flung open. Oh, my goodness. Right?
2: you're like oh yeah I did sing that a lot in my car yeah so I never
1: sang it but I saw a lot of people sing it (laughs) just for the record
2: just 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 for the people to know yeah so I everything I knew was mostly from like going to the library getting whatever CDs they had
0: Mm -hmm. and then
2: burning them into my iTunes so like I like have memories of Marie Christine playing at some point like yeah so it's just it's fun so you start doing these uh Marie's Crisis for Kids. <laughs> yes. $5 cover and uh, two chocolate milk minimum. Yep, yep. So then do you go into high school just, like, full force, like, this is what I want to do. I have a plan.
1: Well, kind of. Uh, sort of. I mean, it all just happened, like, very serendipitously and very, you know, I just feel very lucky when I, like, think about my career as, like, adjacent as it may be. It is it is an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Not only cause it's like one all been organic, but, or maybe it ha- just because it has been all organic. Um, you know, I just feel like I have been right place, right time, right people at the right time at that time kind of thing throughout this, uh, l- illustrious long life I've had thus far. Um, so I'm like super grateful for that, you know, like to be so close. I just grew up really, really close to the city. I had parents who appreciated the arts and uh, were able to afford to take me to uh, like uh, hundreds of shows, hundreds and hundreds of shows, um, you know, and I staged short and all that stuff. And being so close to the city, I was able to, you know, when I got more serious about it as I got older, I was able – because I figured I was like the – okay, if I really want to do this, I'm going to need representation and I'm going to need to like do some things and get some like training. And because I'm so close to the city, why don't I train in the city? So that's what I started doing. I started um, branching out from people in Jersey, like really great people in New Jersey. But I was like, I just want to be in the thick of it. So I, my mom found Broadway Artists Alliance online and I took like Every master class, workshop, intensive possible throughout, like, my years of being probably 13 to 17, 18. Like, I just, uh, yeah, I I don't know why I thought. I mean, I did other things, too, but that was definitely the most formative one. And through uh, doing, I can't even tell you how many workshops and panels and shit like that. I did. Um, like all as a teenager, all while like in in middle school and high school. Um, and like through then I I did like a showcase. I was able to get signed with a manager who is still my manager today, which is also unbelievable. You know, through them I was able to get uh, an agent, my team, who are like all really incredible people, again, just like right place, right time things. And here you are you know, I, yeah, here I am, you know, there's been some shit in between that, but uh <laughs> <laughs> for the abridged version, yeah, no, essentially, I just, I just hustled, I, like, didn't really have a social life, which is fine, which is what I wanted, because the social life I was having was, like, in the city with, like, theater kids, you know, you think you're hot shit when you're a teenager, and you're on top of the world, I mean, you're still on top of the world doing this, it's, like, incredible that, we get to do this. I am just also like, God, 17 year old me needed to cool it.
2: There's just like, I don't know. There's like a a fire in that gut when you are in your teens and you're doing theater. And at least for me, it was like, oh yeah, me and these people that I'm with, we are serious people and Mm -hmm. we will make it. Yeah. And like, there isn't, bills yet so you don't really have
1: no you don't you're not paying for like anything really for yourself like the big stuff for yourself yet so you are like okay great um I'm gonna live this dream forever and this is the most luxurious beautiful life and I can't wait to continue living this and then you get older and then thank goodness you get older
2: yeah well it's just I mean that's astounding and I think plays into what I have gleaned from the few things I've seen you do where it's just like A very strong sense of self Mm -hmm. in a industry that a lot of people's training tells them essentially to do to the opposite.
1: To conform. Yeah. It's so, it's so, I, I I don't know. I feel so ironic when you hear all these programs and all these places say, we want to help you be the best version of you. We want to like help this, but uh, it's so, first of all, that feels so backhanded. And Mm -hmm. then Um, it's also just not true whatsoever. It's, it's really trying to be like a, a product of whatever tunnel, like you go through and then you come out the other end being this product as a representation of all this stuff, as opposed to just being like an an amalgamation of all your experiences and, uh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know, I, the thing, I thank you for that. Not to get cocky. I feel like the thing that I like pride myself the most on throughout all this is that I've been able to hold on to a sense of self because I feel like that's a, I mean, that goes first whenever you start to doubt yourself or the, you know, it creeps in. Absolutely. And so thank you. I, appre- I always appreciate hearing that because I feel like imposter syndrome Oh yeah the course. back in time. As I'm sure everybody does, yeah,
2: yeah. well, and when we think about the people that we idolize or look for, we like them because of that individuality. And then we go through this wormhole where it's like b six three, have a strong jaw
1: Well, I just get very frustrated, and this is gonna sound so terrible. I just get very frustrated when I see people either trying to, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, experimenting or knocking something out but i hate when i see just people clinging to like false identities or this or that for the sake of a job like sacrificing i'm a I, i'm a very big lover of the truth and mm-hmm. honesty and uh grounded nuance and i just feel like a lot of that has dissipated in the last uh however many years or so i don't even think i can put a cap on it because it's been here for a while
2: uh, speaking of truth and uh, grounded honesty, can we talk about uh, Fiona for a little bit?
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> for sure. So
2: I have to admit, I'm not like, I'm not deep in the fold. Um that right? I was so astounded by your show.
1: Oh, thank you.
2: I thought it was so beautiful. It's just beautiful storytelling and oftentimes, in my opinion, contrasting with chaotic sounding underscoring or music yeah which I find just to be like the most beautiful poetry and I just want to know like what's your journey with her and how did you get to doing this show that people love
1: oh goodness um well I can't talk about Fiona Apple without talking about Max Friedman who is a genius genius director in New York he's also a DJ um, amazing collaborator conceiver conceptualizer whatever you want to call him he max is uh, an absolute genius i met max uh when we were down in dc through will roland and we were all hanging out and shooting the shit and as we were getting to know each other max sort of approached me and asked me if i would if i was familiar with fiona's Cannon, and if uh he's it's always been a dream of his to put on a very highly theatrical one woman cabaret uh set to the music of Fiona and all I knew at that time, this was like 2015. I think it was like 19 or had like a new 20 and all I had known was criminal, but I didn't even know criminal. I had known I'd been a bad, bad girl, Mm -hmm. like legitimately that's it. Um, And I would be like, yeah, cool. I'll explore it. And he told me to start with, I know the first taste an extraordinary machine. Like those were his three recommendations. And I listened to them and like this project just like really marinated for a really, really long time because, you know, Max and I got together and like even like 2018 to have like meetings about it and putting it on and it just didn't feel ready yet. Um, I didn't feel familiar enough in her canon. I don't think I had had enough like life experiences, frankly, to have really resonated with her music as deeply as I do now because her, I mean, her words and her music are like gospel for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a religious or spiritual person, but I do believe in Fiona. In Fiona. Mm-hmm. That's not a joke. Um, and yeah, as I got older and just had more things happen to me or things that I experienced, I, you know, I had a really, Believe it or not, 2019 was kind of shitty mm. for me as well. Uh, I mean, not as shitty as this year, but it it didn't end the way I had thought it would end. And I came back from this trip, from this vacation, and I literally, it felt so cinematic. I, like, called Max, and I'm like, great, when are we doing the show? When are we doing it? I'm ready. Oh, I
2: love Let's that. Let's go.
1: And, yeah, we tried to get, you know, we had a lot of people in mind, Uh, We were very open to working with a lot of people, just basically people who were interested and people who also, I feel like were like-minded and like-hearted, not only in what we were trying to accomplish, but just in a collaboration, because I don't think you can really make art without other people. So we asked Madeline Smith, the absolute genius music director. She is just and Astonishment of Talents, I get, like, bewildered talking about her because I just don't think any words can articulate how genius, smart, and talented she is. Madeline is the, I believe, youngest female uh, uh, conductor on Broadway, and she she led The Pit for Waitress. She did uh, Ellis Island, Ragtime. She's done a lot of stuff. She's incredibly, incredibly talented. And we emailed Madeline, seeing if she was interested. She was very interested. She, like the genius she is, made all the charts for everything oh, wow. and listened. Yeah, listen, because Fiona's music, a lot of Fiona's music, just it, it's not available. It's not available. And I, I'm like, listen, I don't care if like Fiona f- finds out about it because I'm not. I listen, I'm not making any money from it. I'm not. That's also not why I'm doing it. You know, I, I made I made close to zero dollars doing the Fiona Apple show. It was truly a passion project. The only thing I care about is Sony finding out <laughs> Sony music finding out. But otherwise, um yeah, did all the charts. Uh she did all the charts. We wanted to find first and foremost like a girl band, but if we couldn't find a girl band, at least just like cool, comfortable, accepting musicians who were down and were familiar. Uh so we got a bunch of incredible, incredible musicians who were down for the project and just sort of said fuck yeah to any crazy idea that we had. Um, because we had a lot of ideas and, you know, only so many of them made it into the show. But yeah, it was just it was just a long time conceptualizing. I definitely feel like I had to live a little bit. Maybe everyone had to live a little bit, but I definitely feel like it came at the right time. I'm just, you know, it just got stopped because of COVID because we were going to do two more shows and then we had to cancel them
2: back in March. You could just feel that care that you described through the whole thing.
1: I just, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think through my, many anxieties and, uh, panic problems that I have. I just, I'm, I'm so, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of performers are, I'm just so overly, I don't, I mean, I don't care. I'm, I don't care. And I'm not in control of what people think of me, but I think a lot about what I think of me and what I want to present and have my name attached to in a year, five years, 10 years, you know, and especially if it's something that I had a hand in curating and making, I don't think perfection is achievable, but I I just really wanted to show that I cared. I think that's one of the most important
2: things when making anything. Is that you just said right there. It's like there is no perfection, but for me as well, I just want that whatever I make to radiate that I care. Yeah. It, I think it I think it's infectious. I think it makes other people care.
1: I would like to. I mean, I would like to say that it was a very good, safe environment. Everybody seemed cool. Everybody seemed happy, which, you know, if that's what I accomplished, then I'm I'm beyond thrilled. I felt really, again, just like really, really lucky to even be able to put on something like this. You know, cabaret is hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cabaret is really hard. And I really, really love it. And I also, like, I grew up I grew up going to, cab- like, in between all the Broadway shows, like, I would go to a matinee, and then at night, I would be at Joe's Pub seeing, like, a Bridget Everett show, or seeing Aaron Markey there, Cola Scola, or, like, the whole, all of it, and I just always felt really inspired by the confidence that those people have, and just the brilliance of what those people could come up with from, like, pop songs or musical theater songs, it's a genius, and I feel like they're such gifted interpreters and I feel like I owe a lot of the care and like being able to joke about it and be fluid and just sort of be like, okay, well that worked, that didn't work. What are you going to do about it? Kind of thing from those downtown people. So I also feel very, very grateful for that. And then just, you know, however many years later getting to do my own show while I'm not like sitting on people's faces in the audience, I, (laughs) I, I ate fire, so that's something <laughs> you did. You
2: surely did. <laughs> so we're getting to that point of the pod where I have to ask you the question. Yeah. Why are you like this?
1: Um, I would I would boil it down to just uh, a desperate need for attention, and probably having a cancer, moon, Mercury, and Venus. That's why I'm like this. All right. Oh, God, I can't believe I went to astrology. I don't know. It's real. It is real. Say what you want about it. It's real. No, I guess that's why I like it. Just like a severe neglect and the effects of that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just trying to be a better person than I was the day before. Because I also feel like I've, you know, I've been a shitty person through some of this. And I just, you know, the person I am today. I'm glad that I'm like this.
2: I was listening to um, Miley Cyrus was on Howard Stern. And I'm only listening to Howard Stern because I'm at home with my parents and my dad loves him. Um, but she said something kind of the same thing. She's like, every night I say goodbye to myself because every day I wake up and I'm a brand new person with a brand new experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, Fiona said it in Ladies. You know, I have to, I want to look up the lyric because I don't want to get it wrong because unless I'm singing it, I will get it wrong.
2: Isn't that so funny about lyrics?
1: It's just, yeah, and I'm not, I'm I'm not singing right now. (laughs) Um, But no, it's the bridge. She says, nobody can replace anybody else. So it would be a shame to make it a competition and no love is like any other love. So it would be insane to make a comparison with you. And I know that's like very situational and specific to a song. However universally, you know, nobody isn't like anybody else. It's like insane to compare yourself to other people. You can be inspired, but you know, I just try to be, I don't try to be anybody else. I try to be myself and it's not for everyone, but that's also a beacon that I'm kind of doing the right thing.
2: Absolutely. Because I also don't think I'm for everyone, but I also don't really want to be. Yeah. because then I'm not, I don't have a point of view
1: yeah sometimes I get lost in that I feel like I do want to be for everybody and then I get frustrated and then 30 seconds later I'm like you know what no
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's an interesting path of the artist or really just being human
1: just being human yeah Alexis Molnar artist existentialist Fiona Apple sommelier
2: (laughs) eats fire (laughs) Um, briefly, I have to ask because I saw every episode. How was Rise?
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you for watching. Um, Rise was cool. You know, it was my first, uh, network TV show. You know, when you said it was super cool to be able to be like NBC and they're like NBC. I'm like, yeah, channel four. Um, that was super cool. Rosie Perez was amazing. Josh Rodner, super cool. Um, the people that I worked with are great, uh, some of whom I'm, like, still super close with today, so I'm, like, really grateful for that. I got to work with some familiar faces and some faces that I've always wanted to work with, and then some people that I'm, like, oh, my
0: God, I can't believe that, I,
1: that this person's attached. Holy shit. Yeah, it was super cool. It was, you know, it was a thing that happened, and I wish it happened longer, but for what it was, it was very, very sweet, and, again, like, grateful that I got to be a part of it as a little baby.
2: I thought it was super sweet. Yeah, I would make, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the timing in my life, or but every week I would make Sean uh, Doherty sit down with me and, and watch Rise.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I don't know, not not many people watch, so I just, thanks. It's, yeah. it's nice that I, you know, I was such a tiny little part of that. So I I, I appreciate hearing I don't speak for everybody, but I appreciate hearing it.
2: Oh, of course. Now, as we get towards the end of our time together, um, I like to ask all of my guests, do you have any questions for me?
1: Why are you like this, Ryan? What made Ooh. you want to just start a pod? Um, I think it it stems from
2: that I touched on it earlier, but just like the sitting down with uh, the mom who's supposed to be watching me and being like, pass me a juice, let's talk about your life.
1: Totally. Um
2: I'm just I'm really interested in in people especially this year uh going through the the work of finding out why they are the way they are um I think
1: which is an extremely valid question I feel like at the end of this year
2: yeah and I think we there's a lot of just like yelling through social media um Mm -hmm. this year in particular and maybe it's Mm -hmm. always been that way but it just felt louder because of isolation a lot of it I was like unless you're yelling about facts. uh,
1: Please stop yelling.
2: Please stop yelling. Because if you were talking to a person in person, I don't think you would do that. And I don't think we make any progress without knowing why people do the things they do. So I I got interested in that. And then I was writing this like sketch or like could be a pilot. I don't know. I was just writing. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, one of the characters just was going to be a person who constantly had projects that weren't becoming anything.
1: Oh, that feels like me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was just like talking to the roommate and they're like, well, yeah, my hit podcast. Why are you like this? And then it was going to be like a parody about it. But I just thought it's an actual interesting question.
1: No, I think it's very fascinating. I like talking to people. Yeah, I don't I like getting to know people. I don't like getting in too deep. But I just love being able to have just a free conversation with a with either a friend or a stranger, just anybody. I think you know, it's fascinating.
2: Yeah, I think it's really easy to to not talk to each other mm-hmm. for some reason and feel like you are, mm-hmm. which again ties into social media again. But totally, it's yeah. I just find everyone is interesting and everybody is important. And when you ask someone why they are the way they are, you find out why they feel important, which is
1: beautiful. There it is. There it is. No, I like that. I think that's really sweet. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so it's been fun. <laughs> Yay! Good. I'm glad it's been fun. I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad it's been fun. Could you imagine if this wasn't fun? Oh
2: my gosh, I would have been like, hey. So I know I to do this, <laughs> but like maybe le- it's pushed
1: hey so sorry but if you just like read my e and whatever uh, yeah. no I'm so glad and like I don't know I always feel we- thank you for giving me a chance to talk about myself I always feel I-, I feel very weird talking about myself sometimes but this has been very if I am going to talk about myself I feel like this is the way I want to do it
2: oh great I I mean, I find you astounding. This is actually the first time oh, that, uh, oh. we've spoken, uh, listeners. So
1: I know. Like, so formally, I, this is truly, I feel like we may have given each other a hug and a kiss after yeah. the show, and that's probably the last time I saw you.
2: Yeah. I, I, I just, I think you're astounding. I think you're truly a singular talent, and I'm oh. super excited to see what you create, whatever it is you decide to create. Because I think you. it's going to be cool. And I think it's going to have a valid place in the in the world.
1: Thank you. I'm really touched by that. Thank you so much, Ryan. And you too. The same goes for you. Like, I'm I'm glad that, I don't know, that there are people that can, I don't know, this might be a little hippy-dippy of me. I just think that ugh, who you meet at what time is just, like, meaningful and has a purpose and has a reason.
0: Absolutely. Um.
1: So uh, I appreciate hearing that. And I... Think the same of Uh, you and all of us in this, in this game, you know,
2: this game we call love, (laughs)
1: love and life and the beyond section. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
2: Of course. Anytime until next time, listeners. Bye.